See, we can't just run away from our problems. And I've told this to a lot of different people. Your problems are not geographical. They're a heart issue. See, running, if I decide to move somewhere else, guess what goes with me? All of my problems. And I know some of you guys have thought that. That if I just start over here, things will be better. But the problem is, is if you don't deal with what's here, when you get there, you're going to have the same problems eventually. Because it's a heart thing we have to deal with. And what, why I said what I said to start with, and I think we have to be very cautious of, is a lot of us know a lot of stuff. But what are we actually doing with what we know? You know, I can actually say I want to help the poor. But if I never help the poor, what good is it? And I don't know how many of you guys ever watched G.I. Joe growing up. What was one of his statements that they made at the end of every G.I. Joe? Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, same generation right there. <laughs> So knowing what to do is one thing, but actually acting on it then is a whole nother. So if I know what I should do, and this is what we talked about last week, right, with Paul in Romans 7. He says, I know what I should do, but I'm not doing it. I know what's wrong, but I still find myself doing it. Oh, what a poor, wretched man am I. Oh, what a miserable man am I. And that's the battle that's going on inside of each one of us. See, we all have a natural resistance to hard things. We all have a natural resistance to want to be uncomfortable. We all have a natural resistance to change. But that's our old nature. The new nature that Christ put on said, guess what, I've got something better, but you got to change. You can't stay the same. Because see, at the end of the day, life is all about choices. It's the choices you make every day. We all make choices every day. But the question we need to answer this morning is, with those choices, am I just lying to myself about what I'm doing? Am I saying it's not good enough? Am I saying it's not as bad as they are? Am I saying it's not hurting anybody? Am I saying I've got something under control that I don't have under control? What am I lying to myself about? And we need to get to that point. Because see, a lot of unhappiness in your life and in my life is I rationalize, I convince, and I lie to myself saying that it's not that bad. And God's saying I got so much more. See, what we want to look at over the next two weeks is ways that the Bible teaches us to deal with those weapons of self-destruction. Y'all heard of weapons of mass destruction? We're going to talk, we talked last week about those weapons of self-destruction. And I, I wrote seven down. And they're not on your sheet. They'll be up on the screen. So before we jump into Romans 8 today, which is where we're going today, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit of God, when you come to Jesus, lives in you and helps you overcome those weapons. See, self-destruction is a real thing. And the first weapon of self-destruction is shame. See, you can't be truly happy when you're feeling ashamed of something you've done. God does not want you to feel shame. How many of y'all know that? But how many of y'all came in this morning with some shame if you think about it and are honest? See, God doesn't want you to feel that. Why? Because shame steals your happiness. The joy of the Lord isn't an emotion 
It is a choice following Jesus. So I can be joyful in all circumstances, whether they're good or they're bad. I know that God's got this. You know, the reason God sent His Son to die on the cross for you was so you didn't have to feel shame. Because I think if we're all honest this morning, you all put your hands up. If not, we'll pray afterwards. There is something in your past you hope someone never finds out about. That's shame. That's truly what it is. Sadly, as we talked about last week, the longer you hide that, the less freedom you have. The second thing is uncontrolled thoughts. See, if you don't learn how to control your thoughts, the enemy will learn to control them for you. People will, t- will learn to control them for you and tell you how you should think, how you should act if you don't learn to control your thoughts. The Bible says take every thought captive in the mind of Christ. So every thought, good or bad, we need to take captive and understand that Jesus has the answer. The third one is compulsions, those habits, lusts, or impulses. You just have, even though you don't know why you do them and you know they're not the right choice, you do them anyways. You know, you shouldn't get angry when that person cuts you off in traffic, but you get angry anyways. Ooh, I see some smirks with that one. That one hit home. Um, Any of those things that we know what we shouldn't do. The fourth one, fear. Fear is a huge destroyer of happiness. It's a huge destroyer of purpose. It limits what you can do. It puts constraints on your potential. Fear stops you from doing what God's calling you to do because you're afraid of what other people might think. See, fear will also keep you from becoming who God's called you to be. We live in a cropped world today, don't we? Any of you go on social media right now and everything is perfect with the pictures people put on Facebook. And as Stephen Furtick says, you get to see other people's highlight reels, but you know your backstory. So you don't think your life measures up. Hotels do it. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I was watching a message one time. Louis Giglio was talking about it. He saw this hotel. It was beautiful. All the pictures online on their website were beautiful. He got there and the hotel's backyard was an old shipyard with old rusty metal ships and everything else in it. Didn't see those on the picture. See, we have a tendency to want to crop things. And then number five is hopelessness. And when you start to feel hopeless, what happens? You get discouraged and you want to give up. You say, why even try? Then we internalize our hopelessness, it infects our soul, and it stops us from doing God's plan for our lives. Sixth one is self-destruction, is, is resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, offense. These all hurt you more than they hurt the people that you're holding it against. As you probably heard say, it's kind of like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick and dies. We got to learn to let go of these things. We got to learn to let go of offense. We got to learn to let go of resentment. And the seventh one is the one that kind of got to me a little bit it, as I was being honest with myself, and I'm just being transparent, is insecurity. See, you got to learn to deal with this one. And it shows itself in a lot of different ways. It can show itself in anger, it can show itself in control, it can show itself in you pulling away from people. See, insecurity can lead to a lot of different problems if we don't learn how to deal with it. 
Because when insecurity is in your life, it's going to cause you to do foolish things that you would probably never have done because you have to prove that you can do it. See, when you're insecure, you're trying to show everybody else that you're confident, that you got this, that you can do it. Now, isn't that what they always tell us on TV? You can do it. And so we have to prove that. And we have to prove it when we're insecure in who we are in Christ. But when we understand who we are in Christ, that doesn't matter anymore. There's an old book by Craig Rochelle called Alter Ego that talks a lot about that, of taking our insecurities and our egos and laying them on the altar of God and let God consume them and tell us who we are. So last week when we talked about seven, and I have um, Romans 7, we talked about seven things. I actually wrote something down here that i got to pull up quick um, because I, I made a mistake last week. And I have to make sure I have it on this one because it might be on my... Yeah, it's on my phone. Um, I made a mistake last week. There are two places in Romans 8 that he uses the pronoun I. Last week I told you there were none and I was mistaken as I went back and looked at it. There are 17 places he does talk about the Holy Spirit. And he mentions the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. That was some of the things we talked about last week. But let me pull up real quick so I can pull up these verses. Just because I don't want to get them wrong. The first one is... For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed to us. So remember in, in Romans 7, his I statements where I find myself, I, I'm doing this, I don't want to do this, I blah, 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 blah. He says here, guess what? For I'm considering now all the sufferings that I've gone through pale in comparison. He understands it's no longer about him when we get to Romans 8. You want to understand the victorious Christian life? It's found in one word, Jesus. Think about it. So he says, he says that, and then he says, For I am confident that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor pres these things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any of all created will ever be able to separate us from the love that's found in Christ Jesus. Those are his two I statements in, in Romans 8. So I wanted to pull those out to, so you guys could understand that, yes, guess what? I go back and listen to my message too and I try to fix the mistakes I made. And so we understand that when we read the end of chapter 7, we left off with that, I want to give up mentality of what a wretched man that I am. And he says, who will set me free from this body of death? Now again, if you received that letter from a loved one, how would you feel? You would be on the phone trying to call them right away because something was wrong. See, I think we forget that this letter was just that. It was a letter written to the Roman, to the Romans at that point, to the Roman church, to Christians. And he's saying, who will set me free? And I want you to notice something. If you have your Bibles today, because if you're in the Bible app on version, you can't just highlight one word. He says, who will save us, not what. See, we're all looking for a what. You know, that next self-help book, that next seminar, that next conference, that next worship song. We're looking for a what, and Paul says who. We need to remember, it's all about the who. 
And the who? He says in Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, some of your problems, what you got to do, is change the question. From what to who? You got to rethink the question. Don't, God's big enough to deal with your questions. Trust me, read the Psalms. Read Job. There's all kinds of questions being thrown to God, not at God. Now here's the key. Be ready for the answer. Because if you want an answer to your question, a lot of times he's going to come back and say, okay, this is what you need to do to, to fix this. And then you got to say, okay, I know it. That's half the battle. Now I got to do it. See, we got to learn to step out and say, okay, who's going to save me from this? Who's going to help me fix this? See, today we're going to walk through Rome, start walking through Romans 8. Mark Batterson in his book, When, when the Day, talks about habit switching. And that's really what we're going to look at as we break down Romans 8 today and what your, what your notes are, is learning to switch how we think, learning to flip our perspective, learning to flip, flip the script and say, okay, who's going to save me from this? And it says right in 8.1, Christ Jesus. Because he says, guess what? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it is through the flesh, God did. There should be an exclamation point right there. God did it. And how did he do it? He sent his own son in my likeness, in my sinful flesh, carrying my sinful flesh, and chose to be condemned for my sins. So the number one thing you need to do, if you want to overcome these these weapons of self-destruction, is you must remind myself daily what Jesus did for me. I love how Louis Giglio says it. And, and he, he gave a, a series of messages a few years back called Hope When Life Hurts Most. And he says what we need to do some, once in a while is take our problems and walk them to the backdrop of the cross and say what, am I, am, what I'm going through is it as bad as what Jesus went through for me. See, Jesus went to a cross. Jesus was scorned. He was shamed. He was whipped. He had his beard pulled out. He was spit on. He was beaten. He had a crown of thorns shoved on his head. And someone doesn't like me. He says, that's okay. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. I took this for you. So you could live a life without shame, guilt, insecurity, condemnation. Because he says there is no condemnation, which is the beauty of that today. And some of y'all should just give a shout of hallelujah for it. It says God will not judge you for what you've done wrong because of that. That's what condemnation means. That's what condemned means. You have been set free. God will not judge you for it. Oh, i got to light you guys quick. Um, <laughs> he does it. Why? Because Jesus has already been judged. I don't have to feel condemnation. I don't have to feel shame. I don't have to feel guilt. 
Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he not only paid for all the sins you committed last week, he not only paid for all the sins you committed last year, he, he forgave you and took all the sins of your entire life, what you're going to do tomorrow. Hate to break it to you. Some of y'all are going to sin tomorrow or this afternoon. Jesus Christ has already given you forgiveness for it. You just got to come to him and ask. It's already been paid for. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is called good news. Because the good news is you've already been forgiven. All you got to do is receive. He did it for me. He took my guilt. He took my shame. And He took it to the cross with Himself. Second thing we see as we break down those first four verses is we receive power. We receive life from the Spirit. For the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. See, changing habits and changing bad choices is not about your willpower. It's about the new power that's been given to you when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. See, it's no longer up to you to try to change it. It's up to you to let God do it. It's the power of God in you. It's a, you know, in another place it says, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do we live with that every day? Or is it just a verse we pull up once in a while and we're going through a really rough time and we have another Christian friend that comes over and we spout that? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who knows Christians like that. But you get them alone and they are, poor woe is me, my life is so hard. Things are so bad. But greater is in me than he is in the world. Y'all, some of y'all done that. I can tell by that look. You just looked away from me when I said that. We all do it. That's the point. But we don't have to because we have a new power that lives inside of us because God did what the law couldn't do. See, laws are never going to change people. In our culture, I don't know why we have yet to understand that, but I'm pretty sure murder's been illegal for a long time. There has been one person in all of history who's transformed the heart, and his name is Jesus Christ. A law is not going to do that. A law is not going to make you treat people better. But the new power living inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit can. See, a a law is never going to force people to do anything. A law is just that. It's a piece of paper where we write something down. Because I'm willing to bet in this last week, all you guys went through a 30-mile-an-hour 30 zone and we're probably going 35 to 40. Sorry, you broke the law. I mean, if we're going to be serious about it, that's what the Jews were trying to do to people at that time, isn't it? You have to follow every law in order to get to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no. Just come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Just receive my forgiveness. And God did it, and he took, he took the law out of it when he sent his son. See, if you were to die today and stand before God, and he was to ask you, did you keep all of my laws? What would your answer be? And now remember, God knows everything you did, so you can't lie to him. You could with confidence look him in the eyes Honestly, if you could look at him, because I have no idea if I'm going to be able to look upon God when I get to heaven. I just don't know. But if I could, I would look him in the eyes and say, no, but he did. Jesus did. He kept all your laws. He gave me freedom. 
See, that's, where, that's why I get so excited about this. Because I know the idiot I am. But I know the great grace God's given me. As John Newton said, the guy who wrote the song Amazing Grace way back in the day, I know two things for sure. I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. And Romans 12.2 says it this way. See, if you understand what Jesus Christ did for you, if you're really serious about changing your life for the better, you've got to start when God tells you to start. Don't wait until you get it all right because you're never going to get it all right. Because Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable. So see, if we want to change what's happening, we've got to change the way we think. And if we to change the way we think, we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because it says transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of y'all think good thoughts all the time? How many of y'all think of good thoughts right now about me? Um, see, you got to have some fun with this. Because the Holy Spirit living in you says when you accepted Jesus, I can transform your thinking. It says in the Psalms, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of y'all ever said something you wish you could have taken it back the second it fell out? Yesterday. Um, I haven't talked to a lot of people this morning, so I can say that safely. Um, but it's understanding. What I'm thinking about is what's going to come out of here. It's why I tell you and I challenge you guys to read five minutes when you wake up. Don't look at your social media. Don't look at Facebook. Don't, don't look at your emails. Don't look at anything else. Set your mind right on God first thing first. You know, that's why the Bible says, seek first his kingdom. And so when I can wake up and I can get my mind thinking right, I don't know if any of you guys have this happen to you, but it happens to me a lot, that I know when I don't read my devotionals right away. And so I had to become intentional that I wake up in the morning, I go get my coffee, I grab my iPad because that's where my version devotionals are, I set it down next to me, I set my coffee down, I flip my chair back in my recliner, and I say, okay, God, it's you and me. I, if, even if I can only give you five minutes, it's you and me. Because I'm setting my mind right so I can start thinking right, so I can start thinking about what Jesus did for me. Because that's where it all begins. And when we understand that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, it takes us to our second habit of asking the Holy Spirit to give us better thoughts. Remember, you have two natures. And what you feed the most will dominate your thoughts. Romans 8, 5-8 says, Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. See, our old nature, our old sinful nature, thinks about sinful things, and it says it leads us to death. But we have a new nature, a spirit nature, that gives us life and peace. How many of y'all could use some peace right now? Yeah, I was going to say, let me get an amen on that one. Guess what? You can. It just said so right there. Just ask the Holy Spirit and He'll give you peace. didn't say it'd make things easy. He said it'd give you peace. That's why Jesus, you know, again, you think about Jesus sleeping in a boat in a storm. It wasn't a peaceful time, but He was at peace. 
He was taking a nap in a storm on a boat. And so I know he was rocking all over the place. That boat was rocking. And he's like, yeah, sleep, okay. I don't know if Jesus snored. He might not have. But his disciples freaked out, right? They didn't have peace. But it's why here at Bridge Church, we don't expect people to come in perfect. We know we're all broken. We know God is the one putting us back together. I mean, how many of you that have had kids expected that newborn baby to come out, walk, and start making its own meals? One guy, just to point that out. (laughs) But think about it. Isn't that what we do to people when they come to the church? We expect them to walk into church and everything's fixed and there's going to be no mess. Well, guess what? Our old sinful nature creates messy people. We prayed for it when we first started this church with the team. We want a messy church. Why? Because it means people are coming in and being set free. See, I can't expect a person to walk in in here one time and walk out a mature Christian. But we do. Well, they come to church. They they should know this. Yeah, I still do things I know I should do too. I don't do them. Now, if you choose to stay in that place, that's your own problem. Okay? Don't blame the church. Don't blame anyone else. If you choose not to change something, that's on you. But my job and our job as fellow Christians is to walk alongside immature Christians, hand down, lift them up, teach them. That's called discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make converts. Don't go and make Christians. He said, go and make disciples. So they will obey everything I've taught you. So I have to get into His Word and be taught. Because as we let the Spirit lead, it says it will lead to life and peace. See, the Holy Spirit's answer to, the un- to uncontrolled thoughts is we say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to think about? How do you want me to look at this? How should I handle this? Now, I know people who will pray for, should I have a cheeseburger or a chili dog? I know people who pray for that. Now, I'm sorry, but God does care, yes, but seriously, make your own decision. Now, you can pray that it becomes a carrot while you're eating it, so it's healthier. <laughs> but <laughs> God turned these fries into the green beans. Um, we <laughs> See, you don't focus on what you don't want. You replace what you don't want. And if you don't want to think those things, change what you're thinking about. Don't not think about that. I was talking the other day, and I'm like, guess what? I used to have a problem with alcohol. If I take a bottle of alcohol and I set it in the middle of my table, guess what I'm going to think about? Not drinking that alcohol. Guess what I'm eventually going to do? I'm going to drink that alcohol. Why? Not because I focused on what I don't want. Not what I do. I lost focus. I lost my connection. I got to stay focused. You choose what you dwell on. See, Satan gives you ideas and that's called temptation. The Holy Spirit gives you ideas and that's called inspiration. Satan is always trying to tempt you with things that are going to draw you from God. The Holy Spirit is always tempting you with things to draw you closer to God. See, now that you're a believer, you have a helper, and you can say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to give me some good ideas. We pray almost every team meeting, let us be creative. Creative for ways for reaching people. See, we don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. 
They don't have the power to. No more than you're going to give your eight-year-old the keys to your car. Unless you're a farmer, then you might. <laughs> but when we understand that the sin, our sinful nature is causing us to be hostile to God, we let go. I'm going to go over the last two points quick because it's already 11 o'clock. Number three is I realize I have a new ability to say no. Some of y'all need to learn to say no. Some of y'all need to learn to have boundaries. We need to learn to tap into this new power we have when we choose to follow Jesus. Galatians 5.16 says it this way, Let the Spirit direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of your human nature. See, if I let the Holy Spirit work through me and, I, and I'm not focused on my desires, in other words, I don't have... See, I still have the same desires I had before I was a Christian. But I don't have to focus on them. See, you still have your old sinful nature. You'll hear people say, why should I limit my desires? Why should I let go of things that I want to do? It's called maturity, my friends. It's called growing up. And I love, I love this verse where it says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to your sinful nature. That was one of the first messages I ever preached. I said, bury your old nature. Don't give it CPR. Leave the stupid stuff buried. Stop bringing them back to life. And the fourth one is I need to turn my thoughts to God whenever I'm afraid. Now I'm going to have the team come up. I want to give you some encouragement today as we get ready to talk about this as we get ready to pray over this to end the service. Did you all know you were born with only two fears? You were born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. They have studied this multiple times. The, the encouraging part of that today is every other fear you have has been learned, which means it can be unlearned by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we get to understand. How many of y'all like mob movies? No, none of you guys? How many of you have ever watched one? It's really kind of hard to explain this if you've never seen one. You ever seen them? It's always, you know, you got this kid and he does something and another kid's coming up to pick on him and he says, hey, you don't know who my daddy is. My daddy Guido will come and take care of this if you don't take care of if you don't knock it off. See, we kind of giggle at that one. Some of y'all forgot who your daddy is. When the enemy comes to lie to you, when someone looks at you and tries to tear you apart, when your shame and your guilt and you're saying, guess what, I'm not good enough, it's time for you to stand up and say, nah, you don't know who my daddy is. My daddy's the creator of the universe. My dad, daddy made all that. And it's okay to call him daddy because if you look out where, when, we re, when we read on in that and it says the Holy Spirit is coming for you to cry out, Abba, Father. That is actually Papa. See, when your old sinful nature tries to convince you of something, it's like, no, I'm going to start talking to my problems about my daddy. Not, I'm not going to talk to my daddy about my problems. Jesus said, if you had if the grain of a mustard seed and you told this mountain to move, it would jump into the ocean. See, we get on, when we understand that I do not have to live under fear because I'm in the family. 
I'm, in, I'm part of God's family. As we get ready to put up this last verse right here, and we're going to sing the song, No Longer Slaves, to end off this morning, we need to understand that we are in God's family. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are no longer slaves to shame. We are no longer slaves to guilt. We are no longer slaves to our ego. We are no longer slaves to what other people think. We are called a son and daughter of the Most High. And so when those things, those lies come, you take every thought captive and say, let me tell you who my daddy is. And see, I, I, I love the thought process and because I have a granddaughter now, me and my daughter, we're talking about it. And when little babies come up and they give you that kiss, like, ah, yeah, all over your face. Now, I'm not going to do that to God, but guess what? God's sitting in his throne room. Unless he lets me, that I'm doing it. I'm telling you. I'm going to run up there and just give him a big one. Um, because he's sitting and the only people who could come into the throne room was the son of the king. Okay, that's the only people allowed when he was holding court. He could interrupt this, every affairs of the state. His son walks in. The king would say, no, no, stop, stop for a second. My son's here. See, that's what we get to do. When you're walking through some problems, you walk into that throne room and say, yeah, daddy. And daddy's like, come here, son. Come here, daughter. Come sit on daddy's lap. Let me, let me give you a hug. Let me tell you someone needs this this morning. You are good enough. Don't believe the lies anymore. Learn who your father is. Learn what Jesus has done for you. Learn to control your thoughts. And learn to accept what Jesus has done because you don't deserve it, but he did it anyways. So as we finish this off this morning with this song, just pray and thank God for what he's done. The more you have of the Holy Spirit, the more self-controlled you're going to be. It says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. You're filled with power. You're filled with love. You're filled with self-control. But you have to ask. See, following God doesn't make you a Bible thumper or a nutcase. As, as a lot of people like to say, See, when I, when I came to Christ, I actually became more human because I started having compassion. I started realizing life wasn't about what I wanted. It was about how can I help someone else. I had more self-control. I am no longer mastered by my emotions. My emotions have become slaves to the king. And when I understand that, the Bible tells me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength.